0: Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are checking our boundaries and checking in with ourselves as we protect our bubble while staying mindful. Ever feel like you're putting your head in the sand? darkening the tint on your rose-colored glasses or creating a protective bubble where everything is peaceful and calm well i think we all do it's for our own protection not because we don't care what's going on around us it's important to know your limits and accept that not everyone can consume a fire hose of information power struggles and tragic updates at some point You have to wave the white flag and retreat back to where you feel safe and protected. We should all be striving for a healthy balance. So if you're feeling anything but, stay with me as we work on leveling out. I, for one, fiercely protect my bubble. The balance for me is staying informed and aware without feeling overwhelmed and attacked. It's not as simple as turning on the TV for the latest updates, perusing a newspaper, or scrolling through your feeds. Wouldn't it be great if you could get a bullet-point-style, no-biased update delivered to your inbox every morning? Good morning, Kindle. Here are the top 10 things you should know for today, and that's it. If I search for that, I feel pulled and prodded, coerced, and frankly, misled. Before long, I realize I'm listening to opinions and not facts. I don't know about you, but my mind retreats and shuts down. How much tragedy and despair can one digest? When we think about balance, are you getting the same dose of positivity and joy? Check in with yourself because this is important. How tipped is your scale? Let's do some digging to find out the answers to these questions and other ideas on how to protect your bubble while being mindful. At alwayswellwithin.com, I found how to create a self-protective bubble. Do you know when you feel vulnerable? When do you feel you need a sense of protection? If you're not sure, take a moment to think about it. What are the signs? What are some circumstances that typically feel uncomfortable to you? When you do feel vulnerable or in need of protection, what steps do you take? Do they work for you? It's not unusual to develop unhealthy patterns of protection from shrinking to aggression. Are you able to react in a healthy way? There are many different ways to empower and protect yourself. They typically involve creating boundaries. For example, when we're in a difficult situation, we can take a step backward, which clarifies our personal space and defines a boundary. Or we can politely decide to take a break to give ourselves some needed breathing room, some time to recenter ourselves. It can be difficult to create a boundary if you've never had one, if your boundary has been violated through trauma, you're a highly sensitive person, or you feel you don't deserve one due to deceptive brain messages learned in early childhood. Learning how to love yourself can be the first step to reclaiming a sense of personal space and defining your boundary. A strongly integrated sense of self is essential to health physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. This is a healthy sense of self, which differs from clinging to self or egocentricity. One simple way to feel strong and more protected on a regular basis is to visualize a protective bubble around you. This is a simple exercise that you can do each day. In her book, Heal Yourself with Qigong, Susan B. Friedman shares these steps for creating an energy bubble for protection. Stand or sit upright in a chair with the backs of your hands resting on your thighs, palms up. Close your eyes and slow your breathing. Feel your whole body relax. Visualize a bubble around your body in your mind's eye. Take as much time as you need to mentally create a thick bubble enveloping you. Visualize and see the shape, color, and size of this bubble. Once you clearly see yourself surrounded by a bubble, draw up a memory of a time or an experience when you felt particularly powerful, calm, or in charge Let that feeling emanate out of your body to feel the entire bubble. Take a minute or two to do this. Perhaps the feeling has a color or quality you can see that fills the bubble. After you have filled your bubble, take another moment to see and feel all around you. Take a few deep breaths after concluding the meditation your mucous membranes, including those in your gastrointestinal tract and other internal organs, are also part of your boundary against foreign invaders like viruses, bacteria, and other microorganisms. If you wish, you can also imagine your mucous membranes as healthy and strong and fully protected. Your protective sphere may need an extra boost any time during the day when you're entering into or suddenly find yourself in an especially difficult or challenging situation. When that happens, take a moment to bring awareness to your bubble and refill it with your own sense of safety, power, strength, and calm. You might get tripped up on step four, if you've never had an experience of feeling powerful and protected. If that's the case, you can draw upon an image of someone you admire who is grounded and strong, someone who seemingly doesn't have trouble with boundaries. Like any new habit, creating and truly feeling the presence of a protective sphere takes time and diligence. It's not hard or time-consuming. It can be done in minutes. It's simply a matter of taking time to create the visualization regularly, each day until eventually the visualization becomes part of you. The more often you practice creating your protective sphere, the more natural it will become and the stronger you will feel. If you have trouble making this a regular habit, the practice of loving-kindness is a wonderful way to build your self-worth so that you feel deserving of self-care and protection. These days, it might be necessary to create your protective sphere as a natural extension of loving-kindness practice, which is an antidote to fear and anger. First, envision the essence of love, compassion, and wisdom. It could be any spiritual figure, an image of light, or someone who loved you unconditionally. Then, imagine their unconditional love pouring into your heart. Absorb it fully, knowing that you are as worthy of love as any other being on this earth. Next, repeat the loving kindness phrases. First, directing them towards yourself. May I be happy. May I be well. May I be safe. All the while, focus on your heart center. Imagine this unconditional love in the form of light growing stronger and stronger and radiating within your heart. Then allow the light and love to surround you like a protective sphere. After a while, move on to repeating and directing these loving kindness phrases to others. Whenever you feel unsure during the day, return to your heart center and reconnect with this vibrant sense of love that resides within you. Also take a few moments to repeat the loving kindness phrases, directing them towards yourself, toward difficult emotions that have sprung up in your life, or towards other people who also need a dose of kindness and love. There are many different ways to create a sense of strength in your life. This is just one that you might find profoundly healing. Do you have moments when you feel you need added protection in your life? When do you feel a sense of strength, protection, and power? If you're thinking to yourself, how is opening your heart and imagining love and kindness entering it really going to help? I say to you, how can it hurt? think about it. Regardless of whether you get a jolt of joy or refreshing feeling, it has to be better than letting in negativity, anger, and despair, right? I used to sell for CentOS back in the day. If you aren't familiar with them, they offer uniform rental accounts and additional products like mats, fire extinguishers, and bathroom dispensers. Instead of air dryers, they offer paper pool towels. Now, in order to convince a client that paper pull towels were better than just an air dryer, they conducted a study. Did you know that air dryers both blow and suck to dry your hands so quickly? Because bathrooms tend to be a source of bacteria, and because people don't do the best job on washing their hands, they found that these air dryers were also sucking up urine. If you open them, you can find crystallized urine inside them. Usually I get that face. Yeah, the one that you're making right now. Now, is that story true? Well, I don't know. I never saw the study. But I can guarantee you, you will think differently the next time you have a choice. I tell the story to demonstrate the power of suggestion. The media is aware of this power. Marketing departments are aware of this power. Okay, now I want you to pretend you're a caveman. Are you there? Good, because Blake Thorne is going to show us why your brain has a negativity bias and how to fix it. This is found on his blog, I Done This. You're in a cave preparing for a hunt, but something outside seems dangerous. You hear violent sounds. You just don't understand. You have two choices. Skip the hunt, spend the night hungry, but live for another day or risk death and go outside. Hold on to that thought. We'll be getting back to it. Now, imagine you're driving to work. While getting off the highway, someone cuts you off. You slam on your brakes. You know the feeling that's coming. A tense anger rises up. Your fingers clench the steering wheel. It's enough to make you feel horrible all day. You might be less productive at work and distracted during meetings. You might try to counterbalance your feelings with a quick shot of endorphins from junk food, mindless web surfing, or time-wasting YouTube videos. This only compounds the problem. This is like taking short-term unhappiness and investing it into long-term, high-yield unhappiness investment plan, ensuring belly flab and career stagnation for years to come. So why does this one minor thing, getting cut off, have such powerful effects on us? Why does one negative experience ruin an otherwise great day? The answer has to do with our friend, the caveman. Research shows that our brains evolved to react much more strongly to negative experiences than positive ones. It keeps us safe from danger. But in modern days where physical danger is minimal, it often just gets in the way. It's called the negativity bias. It isn't entirely the caveman's fault. The neurological roots of the negativity bias first identified by psychologists Paul Rosen and Edward Rosman in 2001 started long before that. In Dr. Rick Hansen's book on this topic, Hardwiring Happiness, The New Brain Science of Contentment, Calm, and Confidence, He writes that humans share ancestors with bats, begonias, and bacteria that go back at least 3.5 billion years. Hansen describes these ancestors as living in a world of carrots and sticks. Carrots are rewards, food, sex, and shelter, and sticks are punishment, predators, disease, and injury. Over hundreds of millions of years, it was a matter of life and death to pay extra attention to sticks, react to them intensely, remember them well, and over time become even more sensitive to them. Carrots and sticks are internal as well as external. Roy F. Baumeister, Ellen Bratislavski, and Katrin Finkenauer found that bad experiences are almost always stronger than good, and the way we take in that information shapes how we see ourselves. Bad emotions, bad parents, and bad feedback have more impact than good ones. The self is more motivated to avoid bad self-definitions than to pursue good ones. The negativity bias is so powerful, we might do anything to avoid the stick rather than find a way to pursue the carrot. In other words, the caveman is both scared of the predator and the threat of failing, potentially causing him to hide in a cave and never find a way to successfully hunt. Why do we focus on negative things? Our focus on negative things is rooted in how our attention works. Arian Mack and Irvin Rock are psychologists who pioneered the concept of inintentional blindness. Before their research, it was natural to assume that your sensory organs—eyes, ears, etc.—consumed all the information available to them at any given time. These organs piped the information into your brain, and your brain made decisions based on it. The framing might be positive or negative, but we assume the brain at least had the data it needed to make an informed decision. But that's not entirely true. It turns out Mack and Rock revealed that there is a fundamental difference between perception and awareness. In their research, the psychologist asked participants to identify normally identifiable things, like faces and names. Mack and Rock found that if they made these things less identifiable, the study participants were less likely to become aware of them. A scrambled face or a misspelled name was harder to even see. In 2010, a video went viral that demonstrated this attention bias vividly. If you don't remember it, or you haven't seen it, the video asks viewers to count how many times people wearing a white shirt pass a ball. The task is a farce. A gorilla walks through the middle of the video right when you're getting immersed in the slightly difficult counting task. Yet most people never notice it. When asked what they saw, most viewers proudly announced the number they came to, not aware until rewatching that they missed something they should have been absurdly obvious to them. and Rock's research shows that while our brains might process everything our eyes see, the mind might never become aware of it. Your focus and your attention are the keys to the information processing that filters what goes on in the conscious mind. A negative bias, then, is really a negative attention bias. When we focus on negative things, we actually reshape our perception into seeing negative things. Let me repeat that. When we focus on negative things, we actually reshape our perception into seeing negative things. You might be so focused on counting all the negative events in your life that you entirely miss the positive gorilla that's in the frame. Negatively biased means consuming negative information at a near exclusion of positive information. The negativity bias can be seriously detrimental to our work productivity. Not only does negative stimuli trigger more neural activity, but research shows negativity is detected more quickly and easily. The amygdala, the brain region that regulates emotion and motivation, uses about two-thirds of its neurons to detect bad news. Think about this, two-thirds of your motivation regulator is designed to focus on negativity. That seems problematic. Also, economic studies have shown people are more likely to make financial and career decisions based not on achieving something good, but on avoiding something bad. Older workplace models may have supported this behavior, 20th century assembly line workers were not expected to fail fast or innovate. Being a good employee was following a series of don'ts. Don't show up late. Don't talk back. Don't touch that button. Most of us aren't working that way anymore. Modern business psychology shows the need to focus on growth and progress, behaviors that inherently need action, not avoidance. Furthermore, values like openness and transparency are celebrated in workplaces more than ever. But we're often not taught how to deal with a simple reality. Sometimes, transparency hurts our feelings. Picture a team meeting. Someone says, I think our UI could be better. Feels a little clunky. It's a great example of transparency and openly sharing insights. However, employee Josh designed the UI, and even though Josh welcomes criticism and is on board with the company culture of transparency, his feelings are hurt. Outwardly, he plays it cool, but deep down, some ancient part of Josh's brain is stirring, latching onto this comet like an octopus. His negativity bias is kicking in. He will be distracted and upset. He might not even get his own work done or participate fully in the teamwork necessary for collaborative projects. We might as well send him home for the day. You might assume the best way to beat one bias is with another, fighting fire with fire. Wouldn't your well being be better served by feeding it positive feelings and information than negative? It's not that easy. Like it or not, evolution hardwired our negativity bias for a reason. Overemphasizing negative events enabled our ancestors to survive. The caveman might live a more anxious life, hiding in a cave and worrying every sound outside is a predator. But the caveman will live longer than the one that assumes every noise means nothing. The optimist might be right nine times out of ten, but if they're wrong once, they're dead. Of course, in modern times, that one time out of 10 isn't nearly as deadly, but that doesn't mean the logic is fundamentally flawed. Negative events have the potential to damage you much more than positive events have the potential to help you. Encouraging a positive bias, however, makes it not less likely that you'll avoid negative events or experience positive emotions. In fact, it might do just the opposite. A positive bias is similar to the more well-known term confirmation bias. When you're biased toward positive confirmation, you're much less likely to notice or take in negative information. You set out each day with an expectation and expect the world to conform to it. If it doesn't, you'll find a way to perceive that it does anyway. Your mood might be higher, but so are the risks You're unknowingly inviting. Think of gamblers. Gamblers are very optimistic. They can empty their wallets pursuing a positive event they're absolutely sure is coming. When they're wrong, a dozen times in a row, a positive bias will reframe to something like this. Oh, that means my lucky chance is coming up next. Or think about an average worker putting in average work. A positive bias might convince them they're doing all they need to do to succeed at work. Without a little skepticism, a little self-doubt, even a little negativity, they might never find the need to work harder or differently. If they come into work every day expecting it to go one way and contort their effort to confirm that expectation, they might miss all sorts of opportunities. Thankfully, there are things that you can do to minimize the negative bias. We won't erase it. It took 3.5 billion years to develop it, so it's going to stick around for a while. But there are specific steps we can take to fight back, and research even shows that we can physically change our brains to minimize the negative bias. Well, here are a few exercises That can help. Number one, reframe the language behind your goals. Even Pixar animation studios have felt the effects of negativity bias. Company leaders began to notice that employees were hesitant to share honest opinions in meetings. People were afraid, afraid of hurting someone else's feelings, afraid of having their own feelings hurt. So leadership introduced a new word, candor. Pixar drives its teams to embrace candor through the Pixar Brain Trust, a small group of well-respected creative leaders in the company who oversee the film's development process. The Brain Trust strives to demonstrate candor by stressing that the film, not the filmmaker, is under the microscope. By establishing this distinction early and often, creative workers are less likely to take feedback personally And the word candor in Pixar's hallways became associated with analyzing projects, not people. It worked. Candor, as Catmull put it, freed Pixar's teams from the honesty's baggage. This also helps workers buy into the process early on, ensuring creative momentum instead of negativity bias quicksand. Filmmakers must be ready to hear the truth. Candor is only valuable if the person on the receiving end is open to it and willing, if necessary, to let go of things that don't work. You can support your reframe language with new benefits. If you're running a sales team, for instance, traditional metrics can encourage short-term tactics and burnout. To encourage healthier, more positive behavior, use metrics that encourage the mind shift. If you want candor or positivity, make it a measurable goal that you can pursue. Number two, be aware of the negativity bias. Hansen suggests being mindful of the negativity bias and recognizing that your brain wants to cling to these events like your life depends on it. It's up to you to decide how dangerous, if at all, these experiences really are. That's the negativity bias of the brain. So be aware when you feel yourself drawn to negativity. Tell yourself you're smarter than your brain thinks you are. Develop a mantra. Try this. I am not a caveman, and this is not a tiger. Repeat it in your head a few times. And now that you know the immense power of negativity, you'll be less likely to invite it into your environment. UiPath, a leader in the robotic process automation market, became a billion-dollar unicorn in 2019. And CEO Daniel Dines attributes much of the company's excellence to avoiding undue negativity. My strategy was entirely based on culture with one main standard, and that was humility. First of all, humility allows you to avoid hiring arrogant people in the company, and it keeps everything together. And we measure it. We have psychological safety as the main KPI for all the leaders. I wanted to build a company where people are happy to come and do their best. For Dynes, humility is the key to speed. Negativity can drag down experimentation and its results. Boldness, innovation, and growth. Dynes continues, in order to be fast, you need to be able to create your own space. You need to be able to make fast decisions without the fear of losing face later in time because you made a mistake. Number three, keep a journal. I can hear what you're thinking already. A gratitude journal sounds hokey, cheesy, or silly, but research shows it's much more than that. NPR reports on numerous studies that show practicing gratitude can have all sorts of positive effects. Regularly being thankful and noting the good things in your life can improve sleep, reduce stress, and provide a boost to your relationships. Practicing gratitude is one of the most useful results of research in the field of positive psychology. As cynical as your instincts might be, quantifying the positivity in your life, writing those things down physically, and making it a habit to do so again and again can slowly retrain your mind to focus away from the negativity bias. Number four, distract yourself. Do you ever notice how working on a challenging problem can make you forget about minor aches and pains? It turns out we may be able to shake off negative emotions by diverting our mental energy elsewhere, like on a puzzle or memory game. Distractions can refocus your attention from negative events that might be having a disproportionate effect on your ability to process information. A reprimand at work, for instance, while bad, might cause you to think about work in a negative light for weeks. Instead of stewing on that fact, Turn to a distraction. If you can separate yourself from that negative event, even momentarily, you can put space between you and its power over you. That space gives you perspective. Distraction is a powerful tool and can be used to help treat symptoms of PTSD. The key, however, is not to use distractions to escape negativity. Negative events are a natural part of life. Running away from them with mindless distractions will only make things worse. But a healthy approach to distraction can give you the space you need to think clearly and be more productive. Number five, take in the good. Hansen also suggests taking in the good by spending more time soaking in positive experiences, even small ones. Most of the time, a good experience is pretty mild, and that's fine but try to stay with it for 20 or 30 seconds in a row instead of getting distracted by something else. By doing this, you're reinforcing positive patterns in your brain and your brain learns from experiences, building new neural pathways. Researchers call this neuroplasticity. The key here is to give yourself time to let those thoughts settle in. Don't just push them aside. What you're ultimately seeking to do is reshape your brain to allow in more positive information. This change is physical as well as mental, and those physical changes take time. Repeated and sustained patterns of neural mental activation co occurring together leave lasting physical changes behind in neural structure and function. The mechanisms of this are very physical. And they, to summarize a handful, include new connections forming between neurons. The negativity bias is powerful, and fighting it will take time. But it's well worth the effort. Practice these things constantly, and you'll notice your negative bias shrinking. You just have to work for it. Negativity is all around us, and as we just learned, easy for us to fall prey to. But I bet the next time you hear negative statements after negative statements, you're going to think about what it might be doing to your mood and your brain. No one can move away from it, turn it off, or change the subject but you. It will take a conscious effort on your part to see a difference in your life. So many just think, well, that's just what it is. That's what's going on around me, and I have to be in the thick of it to be socially aware. But do you need to hear it regurgitated 24 hours a day by the news your coworkers repeated to your spouse post on social media and reminisced over and over and over? No, it does not. You have to choose what to partake in and what to share. Boundaries and bubble wrap. How to protect your energy in this crazy world. This was found at thechalkboardmag.com. Whether it's a negative coworker, an overbearing family member, or an extra strange stranger, it can be difficult to keep others' energy from rubbing off on us. In order to keep our own sense of well-being intact, it's key to learn how to set energetic boundaries. Kinesiologist Casey Mendoza-Jones and Our Body Book is sharing a few insightful ideas for protecting our own energy, including affirmations that will help us reclaim our power when we're feeling drained. Get hip to this topic. There's a big payoff for recognizing when our energy feels challenged and learning how to reset our boundaries. Looking after our energy is so important. And it's not just about our physical energy, but the energy you're containing and managing across your four bodies, the parts that make up your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual self. Heartfelt harmony is a sense of worth, empowerment, balance, and alignment. It's where you know what you need to do in order to cleanse what's not working for you and you know how to deeply care for yourself. Keep in mind that your intention is everything. So use these tips where you feel necessary, but always remember that you can choose when and to whom you offer up your energy. So number one, give yourself permission to set boundaries. This might mean you go into a meeting or on a lunch date with someone who has drained your energy in the past, but this time you set the intention that no matter what happens, your energy stays with you and that you are safe and protected. Here are some mantras that you can use to recall your energy back to you. My energy is protected and is completely my own. I am full of self-confidence and energy and joy. I release all my reactions and respond in my power. My energy raises the vibration of the room while keeping me protected and energized. Number two, energetically bubble wrap yourself. This works beautifully if you're about to spend time with people or in a situation where you often feel a bit attacked, squashed, or drained, Or when you spend some time with someone who has a lot of their own stuff going on, and they often project it onto you. Imagine yourself in a beautiful white or golden bubble. Anytime someone says something or does something that irks you or upsets you, imagine the energy from their words, body language, or actions bouncing off your white, protected bubble and reflecting back on them. It is, after all, their stuff that they're trying to project on you. And you're just gently setting the intention that you don't need to absorb it. So here are some heartfelt harmony affirmations. I am free from energy drains. I protect myself at all times. My energy is safe and completely mine. I only allow positive energy thoughts, and vibrations to flow through me. Number three, release energetic ties to others. When we surrogate for someone's energy, it's because a part of us feels they are unable to look after themselves. We take on other people's stuff because we want to protect them, make them happy, or relieve some of their burden. What this does is leaves a pressure on your chest and can leave you feeling depressed, anxious, or fatigued. Sit for a moment, take some deep breaths, and think of who you may be surrogating for. It's usually the first person who pops into your mind. Now, with your eyes closed, imagine where this person is attached to you, in or on your body. Perhaps there's an energetic rope or string coming out of your stomach your solar plexus, your chest, or anywhere else. Slowly, gently, and with love, pull the rope or string out from your body and energy filled and imagine yourself disposing of this in a way that you choose. Perhaps letting it wash away in the ocean, bury it in the sand or under a tree. Take some extra deep breaths in and out and imagine yourself completely free of this person's energy. In a good way. You're not energetically cutting yourself off from this person. You're simply releasing the surrogating ties while sending love back their way. This will help you come back to being completely you. And you'll feel lighter and more aligned with yourself, with your emotions and feelings. So here are some heartfelt harmony affirmations. I am free from energy drains. I release all energetic attachments to blank. You can pop in the name. I allow blank to look after themselves and this protects my energy. Number four, clear and cleanse your space. Space clearing can wash away any negativity and leave the room you're in feeling clear, light, and positive. To clear your space, you can use white sage, salt water in bowls, just change it daily, crystals, clear them often, energetic sprays, or even just open the window and set the intention that any old, stale, or negative energy will wash away with the wind. Of course, if your home is filled with clutter, it doesn't matter how many times you white sage the room, you may still feel cluttered and drained. Decluttering your space and home is all about releasing and letting go of all the stuff you no longer need. It's refreshing and cleansing and very important if you want to live or work in a space that vibrates at a high level and makes you feel cleansed, happy, and powerful. Here are some heartfelt harmony affirmations I breathe in positive energies only. My space is loving, protected, and clear. I allow simplicity into my home. That sounds signifies the end, but before we leave, let's go through the top 10 key highlights and a good challenge for the week. Number 1. Learning how to love yourself can be the first step to reclaiming a sense of personal space and defining your boundary. Number two, like any new habit, creating and truly feeling the presence of a protective sphere takes time and diligence. Number three, repeat these loving kindness phrases. May I be happy, may I be well, may I be safe. Number four, bad emotions, bad parents, and bad feedback have more impact than good ones. The self is more motivated to avoid bad self-definitions than to pursue good ones. Number five, when we focus on negative things, we actually reshape our perception into seeing negative things. Number six, two-thirds of your motivation regulator is designed to focus on negativity. Number seven, regularly being thankful and noting the good things in your life can improve sleep, reduce stress, and provide a boost for your relationships. Number eight, looking after our energy is so important. And it's not just about your physical energy, but the energy you're containing and managing across your four bodies emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual. Number nine, keep in mind that your intention is everything. Number 10. Heartfelt harmony is a sense of worth, empowerment, balance, and alignment. To share encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they are not alone in this journey of self discovery, you can visit encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you don't pop your bubble when you feel pressure to wake up and dial in. You have the power to choose, digest, reject, and share. Be wise with your choices. Taking care of yourself while being mindful creates a healthy balance where you can thrive. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone until the path was clear. That's when I found you and how I up